If you would turn to Acts 16 before we get into the book of Philippians where we are studying together. Acts 16, we're going to get right into the action of the Apostle Paul getting arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's get into the action right away. Acts chapter 16, now it happened. 16:16. what happened? Now it happened as we went to prayer, Paul and Silas, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination, a demonic spirit, met us who brought her masters much profit by her fortune-telling. So they would lead this girl around, and she would say things. Well, verse 17 says, This girl followed Paul and us and cried out and saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And that was the truth. However, look who's telling it. A slave girl who's demonically uh, possessed. And this she said for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, (laughs) turned and said to the spirit within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities and brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us. They didn't do that, by the way. Having Romans to receive or observe. Verse 23, Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing and praising God, and the prisoners were in, were there listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains just happened to fall off. You saw that that was adding to the text. That's dangerous to do. Opened, and everyone's chains were loosened. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his household. What an account. What an incident that occurred. Uh, There's a reason why we're doing this, because the letter that we're studying together, if you want to turn over now to Philippians chapter 3, this letter was written by the Apostle Paul when he was in prison, for preaching the gospel. And uh, you and I know that uh, around the world today, there are people who suffer for their faith in Jesus Christ. Some are in prison, and some lose their lives because of their belief in Christ. 
Um, the Lord said in the world you're going to have tribulation. But I want us to notice that phrase that the um, Philippian jailer asked the apostles. What must I do to be saved? Uh, not saved from the results of the earthquake, but saved spiritually. Because they had, uh, he had heard, as well as the other prisoners, had heard Paul and Silas singing some of the songs that you may say. Different words, different context, of course. But about salvation in Christ and how Jesus came to save us from our sins. What must I do to be saved? I'd like us to just think of two words as we move into the Philippians passage this morning. Uh, the two words are salvation and sanctification. Let's remember these two. Salvation and thank- sanctification. Salvation, of course, is the work of God in which he provides a way for someone who is lost in sin to be delivered from sin's power and sin's penalty. Usually think of two things. When you say, I'm saved, you say, I've been delivered from sin's penalty and eternal hell, but I've been delivered from sin's power. That's what salvation is all about. And, of course, it only comes to pass through the finished work of Jesus Christ. I remember many years ago when my mom and dad, uh, just before they came to Christ, my dad got saved first. He went to uh, St. Paul's Evangelical Lutheran Church, which preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, he went, this is really neat, he went on a Wednesday night to a prayer meeting. He had never been to a prayer meeting before. But he went and he listened and he listened to him pray. And then he met with the pastor after. And pastor led my dad to saving faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, this is, this is awesome. He wasn't young. He wasn't a young man either. And uh, my dad went home. And he said to my mom, he said, uh, I've been saved. And she said, well, that's nice. <laughs> but see, she didn't, un- <laughs> she didn't understand what salvation was at all. But boy, she later got saved as well. And it's amazing what happened. Salvation is the work of God in which a person is delivered from sin's power and sin's penalty because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus, even before Jesus went to the cross, by the revelation of God, John the Baptist saw Jesus. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ died as the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb and the um, the truth of the Word of God from the Old Testament, uh, how a Lamb was sacrificed uh, for Pentecost time. Now, when it comes to this word salvation, I want you to remember the word salvation. We're going to get over to sanctification in a minute. But there's three essentials. There's three things a person needs to know about salvation. Number one, that we've all sinned. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There isn't anybody who hasn't sinned. Secondly, the penalty for sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. By the way, when I'm in a funeral service, a lot of times I like to bring the gospel in and do it very carefully. But of course the point is, here's someone who has died. And people who come to a funeral service in the death of a loved one, sometimes they wonder, well, why? And usually the why is related to the timing. Why did this person die at this point of time? But you can start by answering the question, why did they die, period? 
Why is there death in the human family? And there's death in the human family because of man's sin. God created a perfect world. He created Adam and Eve without sin, but Adam sinned. And therefore, Romans 5.12, Wherefore is by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so the death passed of all, upon all men for all sin. So people die, we die, because of sin. Now, of course, for when a believer dies, when a Christian dies, absent from the body and home with the Lord. A great truth. But the three essential facts of salvation, we've all sinned. Sin brings death. But the third point is very important. Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for sin. When we come to the table this morning, and I love to celebrate communion with you, I really do. There's something about the bread and the cup that causes us to reflect upon the body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that he did that for me. You know, and as you partake of communion, uh, you're saying, you know, the Lord did that for me. He went to the cross to pay for my sin. And there are multitudes of people in our world who do not understand the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, and they do not know who he is. I love Romans 5.8, that God demonstrates his love for us, and when, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you know, uh, when, when you think about the truth of Scripture, uh, some of you have known the Lord for many years, and you read the Bible and you say, boy, that, that speaks to my heart. I mean, it's, 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 it's wonderful what the Lord has said, and he keeps teaching me. And the Lord will do that because you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit as a believer. But what's really interesting is this. If you have someone who doesn't know Jesus as Savior, when the scriptures are given, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works in their hearts and minds and starts drawing them to Jesus Christ. I still remember I sat three rows back on a Sunday night service when the evangelist said, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. You need to know what salvation is all about. You need to have your sins forgiven. I couldn't get it out of my mind. And so when he said, look, if you want to trust Christ, come on forward. We don't always say come on forward here at LBC. We've done it. And I went forward. My dad walked up with me. We went to the prayer room, prayed and accepted Christ as my Savior. Never forget it. Very young when it happened. Never forget it. But you see, the words of Jesus, the call of Christ, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, all you who are weary, that the things of life keep burdening, uh, burdening, burdening you and pushing down upon you, if that's true, and you don't have me to release you from these things, to set you free, Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. So whenever you were saved, no matter where it was, maybe you were alone with someone, uh, one other person, maybe a parent, maybe you were with a friend, and that friend said to you, you know the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And the Holy Spirit, see, took those words and put them in your mind and thinking and opened your heart and you knew that Christ was calling you to himself. It's beautiful truth salvation when you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we want to remember that word. Now, in the um, passage in Philippians, 
it's beautiful how the Apostle Paul starts stating how he came to Christ. In fact, in the first part of chapter 3, he said, Before I came to Christ, I was very religious. He said, I was, verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, uh, a Pharisee concerning zeal. I was persecuting the church. Wow. See, he had religion before he came to Christ. And uh, we want to say this carefully, but religion doesn't take a person to heaven. Jesus Christ does. And Paul had religion. He he um, knew much of the Old Testament scriptures, but he needed to be saved. And he said in verse seven, "The things that were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord." So in verse nine, he goes on and he says, "And I want to be found in Him." Not having my own righteousness, these good things that I did in order to try to be right before God. Verse 9. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. For us to enter into a presence of a holy and a righteous God, we need to be righteous too. And see, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, here's that word again, two words this morning. Justification, two more words, justification and sanctification. Salvation and sanctification are justification and sanctification. In other words, justification is a word that means that God declares you righteous. And right now, as a believer, he sees you as being righteous in his sight. I'm going to find him out again. Here we go, just quickly, because we're coming to the Lord's table in a moment. Justification is the instantaneous act of God by which he declares a person to be righteous before God. In other words, whenever it was when you trusted Jesus, God said, that person is righteous. He looks at you as being righteous before him. And positionally, positionally, you're ready for heaven. That's very important truth. We'll, we'll come back to that in just a minute. In fact, when you're declared righteous, oh, how we love Romans 8.1, where it says, There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're a Christian this morning, the Lord's not dangling something up, holding it against you. Now you say, well, I can get out of fellowship with God. Yes, we can. But as far as making it to heaven and being right with God, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So here's a, here's a person who's saved, they're a Christian. Now sometimes you'll hear a person say, well, here's a person and they claim to be a Christian, but they're not living like Christians. Um, I, I just can't see that that person really knows Christ. Well, sometimes a person can get really out of fellowship with the Lord. And um, the work of the Holy Spirit, sanctification is not taking place in that person's life. You see, as as soon as someone comes to know Christ as Savior, it's amazing what the Lord does. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things become new. But sometimes, after people are babes in Christ, they they don't just grow right away and, and function right away as a mature believer does. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit. It's called sanctification. 
And that's the work of the Holy Spirit where he sets people apart to himself. By the way, when you trusted Christ, you became, uh, and I use this term carefully, special to him. He declared you righteous, and he also declared you to be sanctified positionally. Now, experientially, you need to keep growing spiritually. You need to be in the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to change your thinking. Allow the Word of God to encourage your heart. Allow the Word of God to tell you, hey, there's some things in your life. Boy, that's one thing with my dad. Right after he got saved, wow, the people he worked with at the shipyard. They said, boy, something's happened to him. He's not the guy he used to be. And the Lord took a lot of things out of my dad's life when he came to faith in Christ. Very interesting. I'd like for you to look with me on this sanctification, and we've got to really roll now. Hebrews 10, 10, and 14. Please look at this with me because you need to be encouraged with this. That you, when you trusted Christ, were positionally sanctified. You're set apart unto the Lord. Hebrews 10, 10. Watch this now. By that will, by the will of God, we have been sanctified. Do you see the word there? Sanctified. Sanctified. 10, 10. Through the offering of the body of Christ once for all, one sacrifice for sins. 13, 14, 13, 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Now watch 14. Boy, don't miss this. This is the encouraging verse for you for the day. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. See, you were sanctified when you trusted Christ, but now that you're in the Word of God, you're worshiping faithfully, you're studying the Word of God with others, you're praying with other Christians, God's still sanctifying you. He's changing you so that you become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That is an important verse. And I like the first part of the verse, tell you the truth. first part of the verse says, for by one offering has he perfected forever. Did you see that there in verse 13? I know I said this a couple weeks ago. But ladies, your husband's perfect. And there is a sense in which that's true. There is. But wives, your husband's perfect. But husbands, your wife is perfect in Christ as well. Now, we all need to grow spiritually, and we know that. But don't lose that verse. Because, you see, God allows even some trials to come into our lives, and sometimes there's some difficult things because he's trying to conform us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, that leads me, which I did not get into yet, in, in the book of Philippians where he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul says, oh, he already knows Jesus as his Savior. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. But don't miss this and we'll close it out. Paul says in Philippians, I want to know the Lord better. You see, we don't arrive spiritually. We don't say, okay, I studied, I studied the Gospels, I studied the... No, we need to stay in the Word of God. Sometimes Christians will tell me, they'll say, you know, 
Pastor, I got something to confess. I haven't been in the Bible on my own for quite a while. Well, you need to get that Bible open. Because the Word of God, we look into the Word of God and it shows us Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed. How does God change us? I'll tell you how He changes us. And I need changing. He changes us by we get into the Word of God and we see the beauty of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the one who saved you from your sin, gave you the gift of eternal life. No longer are you condemned. He did it when you saw that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Now, as a Christian, you look the Word of God, you look at the Word of God, and you say, Wow. It shows me the beauty of Jesus Christ, how he loved me, gave himself for me, promised to walk with me, promised never to leave me. No matter where I am, he promises to be with me. And he wants to change me from within. He wants to help me give up things that are holding me back spiritually. Last thing. Some of you use the Daily Bread devotional. Don't miss today's. If you don't have the little booklet, oh, I just happen to have one. <laughs> there's some in the foyer and there's some here. Today's Daily Bread. Wow. What a challenge. It's about things that could hold us back. And it talks about soldiers who were in a, a jungle somewhere. And there were these plants and growths. And they it would grab literally the soldiers and they couldn't even hardly move. And so the Word of God warns us there may be some things in our lives that hold us back, but the Lord wants to break those things out and set us free. And what a Savior we have. What a glorious Savior we have. If you're here this morning and you're not sure, if you're not sure that Jesus is your Savior, um, I'd love to meet you at the prayer room. Sometimes after a morning service like this, people have said, you know, I need Christ I want Christ in my life, and we'd love to show you how you can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior.